Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Simplify Jesus with Bill and Matt. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different. Last week we talked about the Tower of Babel and the origin of how we got so many different languages on earth and and, uh, um, how the continents split. We talked about that a little bit. This week we're going to start talking about Abram, the father of Israel, but not yet. And this happened about uh, about 300 years after the Tower of Babel happened. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. So the Tower of Babel was probably about 2300 BC and Abram's life is more in the 2000 to 1900 BC, so about 300 years later. Okay, cool. So what are we going to talk about around Abram this week? So we're going to focus on his early life, kind of his uh, initial call to ministry, some of the early things that he went through. And so uh, our story picks up. Uh, Abram is uh, about 75 years old, and he's living in the land of Haran, which is a good ways north of Israel. Yeah, at 75 years old, I'm, you know, at that point, if I'm still around at 75, like I'm kind of imagining I'm on the back end, but, <laughs> but God steps in and he calls him to leave everything that he has, everything that he owns, uh, all the people he knows. And he says, pack up, leave. I've got a plan for you. Um, which is just crazy to think about. I mean, you know, from, from what we know, Abram had spent his entire life in the land of Iran. That's where his parents lived, probably his grandparents. That's where all of his family was. He married Sarai, who was probably from there. And so God steps in at 75 and says, hey, I need you to pack everything up, head on out, and I'm going to bless you in a great way. So I don't I don't want to, to jump ahead too far, but uh, why do we care about Abram? Who is he? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah, why, why are we even talking about this guy? So Abram, that's his given name, but his name later on that God gives him is Abraham. And so Abraham is... A name he gets uh, down the road after he uh, gives birth to a guy named Isaac, which is another name you might be familiar with. But Abraham's considered the father of Judaism, and I guess by extension, the father of the Christian faith. He's he's kind of the first guy, um, the one that God called to get it all started. So he's, um, interestingly enough, also considered the father of the faith of Islam. But we'll we'll get into that story later. But he's <laughs> but but that is you know he, he's a big deal. Yeah. So, so you were going into uh, Genesis 12. God is talking to him and, and, and uh, telling him how he's going to become that. So, yeah, so in, in Genesis 12, when God calls him, he says, look, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, which I tell you, that's, that's a heck of a blessing. I mean, at this point, at 75 years old, he and Sarah don't even have kids yet. And so, which that becomes a, a whole point of conflict down the road. But but God steps in and says, hey, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. You're going to bless the world. People today are, are considered to be almost beyond having kids after the age of 40. Right. You know, the doctors are nervous if they're after 40. And here we're talking, Abram's 75 years old and still hasn't had any kids yet. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. And he's telling him he's going to be the, the father of Israel and the father of Judaism and the father of Christianity. And that's uh, that's no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all, right? 
And and here's the crazier thing is Abram believed it. He right. had faith. He answered the call and he and Sarai, they took off. And so here's the other crazy thing is that God didn't even tell them where they were going to go. He just said, look, follow me. I'll show you where you need to go. And so they packed up everything, uh, Abram, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, who was um, probably like a son to him in their relationship. They packed their bags and they took off. And so the total journey that they went down from Haran down to the promised land, as, as we know it, or Israel, was about 400 miles, which, you know, they didn't exactly have uh, high-speed cars back then. So it probably <laughs> took several weeks, maybe months to complete this journey, uh, walking or riding some kind of livestock. And again, 75 years old, th this dude ain't no spring chicken. I mean, no. this, this is a tough journey, but he said he packed up his stuff. He said, God called me and I'm going to go, which is, I guess, why he's the father of the faith, because that's just... That's crazy faith, right? To, to at that age, to trust God and be able to make that kind of journey. Just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to be a very direct sign or audible words from God for him to say, go that way. Don't ask questions. And I'll tell you when you get there. And, and, you know, he does that today. I think, um, I think when we have peace about things, about decisions, but even still, that's so, you know, it's, is it the right thing? Is it not? I'm not sure. I just went through that uh, with my business uh, just today, as a matter of fact, yesterday, as a matter of fact, in signing a lease for some things. And, you know, is it the right time? Is it the right the right thing to do? And, and but I, you know, we can look back and see how God leads us through things. I can, I've got uh, many stories of that. Um, it's just not as audible as what I think it was here with Abram. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny to look at that, though. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you see how God opened doors and like, okay, well, I guess this is where I need to go. Okay, I guess this is it. And it doesn't really make sense until you get on the backside of it. You're like, oh, this is where he was going with it. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how, how some of these conversations happen. That's actually something that happens a lot in Abram's life is these conversations. And I've, I've never audibly heard from God. I've, I've had definite, you know, convictions and feelings and, you know, find that perfect verse I just needed to hear, right? You know, th those sort of things where God has definitely spoken to me. But yeah, I kind of wonder how these conversations went, how Abram knew, like, okay, this is it. This is yeah. where I need to be. Well, some of them, and I think we'll see probably next week, if I'm not mistaken, but some of them were, you know, the angel of God appeared and, and talked mm -hmm. directly to him, those kinds of things. But you don't, you don't see that today. You don't hear of that happening today. And I don't think that yeah, means that and, God is not near. I think it just means that, well, shoot, we've, we've gotten so busy in our lives. Do we even stop to pay attention? Yeah, that's very true. I, I think that's that's a big piece of it. And I think the other thing is that being on this side of Jesus, that we have a different relationship with God, that that our, you know, we're not having to go through priests to talk to him and that kind of stuff. And so granted, none of that stuff was set up when, when Abram was around. That's way down the road. Um, right. So I won't jump into all that. But, but the relationship between God and people was different because we didn't have Jesus in the middle of it. That's a good point. Good point. So... Abram is 75 years old and on this journey for weeks, probably. And it's, it's not even easy going through it, you know, with, with, he's got all these animals. He's got, um, he's moving it almost, you know, he's moving an entire ranch, um, uh, to right. another location, 400 miles away. You know, uh, ranchers had a hard time driving cattle from Mexico to Texas to, you know, other places, um, even when we had a few more comforts back then. So right. 
So how does that all shake out? Yeah, so so Abram and Sarah and Lot, they make it to the land, um, get all settled in, and after a series of events, um, Abram and, and Lot, they kind of outgrow their space. Um, and so uh, both of them have their, their own sheep, their own uh, workers, um, and uh, but they, they, they just can't coexist. There's, there's not enough land for them to share. And so uh, Abram and Lot have a conversation. Abram comes to him and says, look, wherever you want to go, um, whatever, whatever direction you want to go, all yours, you take it, I'll go the other way. And, uh, and we'll go, we'll go our separate ways. And so at this time, Lot heads to a very familiar name place, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, he takes off down that way because it was really fertile land. There's some geographical reasons why that's the case, uh, where it is coming off the mountainside, but a very, very fertile land, good for sheep. And Abram stays in the land of Canaan, which uh, later is called the promised land. And at that time, God told Abram, look, all of this is going to be yours. Uh, so in Genesis 13, it says, uh, after a lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, look from the place where you are, look north and south, east and the west, for I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. Get up and walk around the land through its length and width, for I will give it to you. And so... Again, at this point, Abram doesn't have any kids yet, but when Abram and Lot go their separate ways, um, God reaffirms that promise that says, all this land is going to be yours, and I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to, This is going to be your land someday. Count the dust of the earth, and that's how your offspring will be counted. That's amazing. Yeah. To think. Yeah, can you imagine like going to a beach and counting the grains of sand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just said beach, and, and God said the earth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a um, beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and which tells me, which is interesting, you know, I wonder if this could be a hint towards, um, it's going to be a while before Jesus comes back because the world is not populated enough to be able to be counted like the dust of the earth, the sands of the earth. It never has been, I wouldn't think, in the last 2,000 years. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but but you would think all the people in heaven, even all the people in hell, all the people that are here right now are the offspring of Abram. That that's that's what it sounds like to me. God is saying. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I, so when I when I think of the offspring of Abram and later Abraham, I think more on the um, kind of the spiritual side, like so. Uh, I think it's in Hebrews where uh, the writer talks about how we are all offspring of Abram, offspring of Abraham, that we're co-heirs with Christ in that way. So down the road from Abram, it goes to Moses, uh, and eventually David and Jesus. And that, that, so Jesus is a direct descendant of Abram, but through him, we are all descendants of the promise. And so that's, that's typically the way, I, the way I think about that. But it, but it is an interesting point when you think about, you know, could you count the Christians today versus trying to count the dust of the earth? Hmm. Uh, or could you count the people who are spiritual offspring? Like, well, yeah, probably, you know, but I hadn't honestly never thought about it in that context of, you know, where we're at in the time spectrum in that regard of this is how great your act of faith is going to be. This is, this is how great of a nation I'm going to make you out of this is 
so much they can't be counted. And so we're just not there yet. Right. Uh, that's kind of interesting to think about. I had never thought about that way. Is it, you know, is it physical? Is it spiritual? Is it, is it, oh, I don't even know. I don't even know what the other options would be, but, um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like, yeah, of course, I'm no mathematician that has tried to figure out how many people have lived in all the world through all the censuses and everything else. But I just don't think we're we're there yet as far as how many specks of dust there are in the world. <laughs> and yeah, it could be a while. Not. So yeah. anyway, so now war is breaking out. Mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so in the land where Lot lives, Sodom and Gomorrah, there were four kings outside of uh, that area that saw the area that the five kings around Sodom and Gomorrah had. And just like happens today, those kings said, you know what? That land looks good. That land looks fertile. I think I'm going to go get it. That's not and, happening at uh, all. Went in. No, that doesn't happen. Uh, that's not happening in Ukraine. Right <laughs> Ukraine, <now>. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. This has been going on for that long. Yeah. Uh, almost 5,000 years. Uh so those four kings go in, they conquer the five kings, and as part of that, they kidnap Lot and, and many other people as well. But, of course, we're capturing Lot because of his tie to Abram. And so um, they take Lot back, and somebody there are some guys that escape from Sodom and Gomorrah that know about the connection between Lot and Abram. And so they go to Abram and say, look, your nephew Lot has been captured. What are we going to do? So Abram, where he settled in, he's he settled in uh, the area uh, called Mamre, and he's made some friends there. And so those guys and about 300 of their men go and take out these four kings. Like, I don't know how big armies were back then, but it, I feel like it's probably more than 300 dudes. And uh, yeah, that uh, that's just... It's it's a little tidbit they add in there, but that's, that's kind of crazy to me. So... So I noticed in, in reading this this part of scripture that there were several verses that talked about the kings, um, this king and that king and this king got together to go take out these other four kings or five kings and, and you know, they formed this alliance. So you probably got four, four verses in there um, that talks about that, naming off the kings. Mm-hmm. And then you got one verse that says, Abram grabbed 300 of his friends and went and took back everything those kings took, including Lot and the women and the possessions. And wait, what? (laughs) So I think, you know, it sounds to me like Abram's a pretty bad dude if he's taking down all these people. That's right. Well, I remember, again, he started at 75 years old. So this has probably been a few years. He's probably 80, 85 at this point. Like... And he's leading the armies in to go take out these four kings. It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes we, we read stuff in the Bible, just kind of pass over it. Okay, yeah, da 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 da. Abram took out some kings. Great. Eighty-five year old dude, or however old he is at this point, took three hundred guys and went and defeated four kings worth of army. Just yeah. nuts. Yeah, and took all their stuff. <laughs> it's mine. Now. Took all their stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> all their stuff, all their people. I wow. I mean, if that's not God working. I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds that, what are the odds that that's going to actually work? Um, But he had faith, right? He just went and did it. He's like, oh, they took Mm -hmm. my nephew. Let's go get him. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? That he had that kind of faith um, to just say, no, like this, this isn't right. I'm going to go fix it. 
Yeah. So yeah. so all go. so all of this is settled in now and Lot's home and here we are again God's talking to Abram. What's going on there? So Abram at this point probably been several years and still hasn't had a kid. So he was old when he started to have a kid. It's been longer and and Sarah just for context she's about the same age. Mm-hmm. Um so on the, on the lady side of things, you know, imagine having a kid this late in life and he's, he's really starting to worry. So he's saying, Hey, well, maybe it's a servant that's in my household is going to have a kid, or maybe, you know, how is this going to work? How are you going to make me into a great nation without a kid? And so God steps in, in Genesis 15, five, he says, look at the sky and count the stars. If you were able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And so we've got two, two examples. Now we have one where he says, if you're able to count the dust of the earth, um, which is crazy enough. Then he says, if you're able to count the stars in the sky, um, which of course you can't do it, right? There's no way, but Abram's response to that is kind of the, I think it's the verse that defines Abram's life so well. In 15.6, it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. So God credited Abram's faith to him as righteousness. And that that right there is, that is why Abram slash Abraham is considered the father of Judaism, the father of Christianity, um, the father of the faith is because in incredibly unlikely circumstances, Abram kept the faith in God just because God said it's going to happen. And, and it was credited to him as righteousness, which is a lot like what Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, that we are saved by grace through faith, that our faith is what saves us because of God's grace. Um, and that salvation is righteousness before God, essentially. So, and this yeah, isn't just, just crazy. And this isn't self-righteousness. This is not, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be amazing at it. No, this is, mm-hmm. I believe you, God, that you're going to do this. And God says, you are righteous that righteous being the definition of, of the right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So it took a word from God and Abram said, okay, let's do this. Yeah. I'm in, uh, you know, starting off at 75, dropping everything and leaving. And then even several years later, Hey, you're still going to be a great nation. Okay. I'm in. He, he just keeps, he keeps trucking along with him. Just crazy. But, and I don't want to jump in, jump ahead into <laughs> next week's episode, but here's a little teaser. It doesn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there. There's some bumps in the road between now and Isaac. We'll just leave that out there. Yes, <laughs> but I say that to I give that teaser to say that even people who God says I count you as righteous, or He credits He credits His belief as righteousness, even they can stumble. So while we should work towards it, doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time. Even, even That's Abram right. wasn't perfect. That's right. I, uh, it, it's interesting you bring that up. I've had some interactions recently, uh, on, uh, social media where that's, or that's come up several times where you know, people have claimed that if you're truly a Christian, that, uh, that you won't sin anymore. And which is just, there's all kinds of biblical evidence to the contrary, um, mm-hmm. right? That, that accept, accepting Christ, accepting the free gift of salvation does not mean that you're perfect. Um, in fact, if anything, there's 
all the evidence points to the opposite of that. But that's also not the expectation that, that we are going to be perfect. Yeah, we're going to have bumps in the road. We're going to make mistakes. The key is, what do we do with it? We repent and we come back, right? Um, it's right. it's about the it's about your heart condition uh, in the midst of that, and that's what we see with Abram so well here. Is even when even when he does deal with the struggles, he comes right back. That that faith foundation that we see with Abram here in in his relationship with God, that that righteousness, how it was credited to him as righteousness, that is the foundation of our faith in Christ, right? It's not about works. It's not about being perfect. It's not about what we can do for God, but what he's already done and us putting our faith in him. And so, you know, from the outset of their journey, God promised Abram that all the peoples would be blessed through him, that he would become a great nation and all of this. And Abram had faith and that was credited to him as righteousness. The other cool thing that we see is not only a mirror of our salvation, but also we see the promise of Jesus. Uh, God promises Abram that all nations would be blessed through him. That blessing is manifested in Christ, right? In Jesus. Jesus is the blessing for all the nations. You know, all through the Old Testament, God really focused on Israel. And it was the nation of Israel, and that, those were his people. When Jesus came, that all changed. It became about not only the Jews, but the Gentiles, that everybody had access to salvation. And all of that points right back to here. God made that promise to Abram, and it was fully fulfilled in Christ. So with everything going on with Abram here, um, he's got this great relationship with God building up. Um, you know, this is the, the story in the Bible that that is really, like you said, setting the foundation for Jesus coming to earth as, as God in the flesh. But this isn't all that's going on in the world. You know, historians can find other things that have happened during the same time that just aren't recorded in the Bible. What, what's going on? Uh, you know, when we talked about the Tower of Babel, um, there wasn't much going on except that because the, the people haven't been split up yet. Um, but now we're 300 years later, the people have been split up and uh, there's evidence to show that other things have been going on. So, so what's, what's going on in the rest of the world? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we talked about um, over the last couple of weeks is that the line of Shem is the one that we follow most closely of, of Noah's kids. That's the one that leads to Israel. But the other two lines, uh, Ham and Japheth, we see their country starting to be established. So from Ham's line, he's mostly in the African nations. Uh, and so we see uh, countries like Egypt, like modern day Egypt, uh, was established around this time, Cush, Mizraim, and Canaan, which was later Israel. Um, these were, all of these nations were established, and some of those specifically in the Bible. So we do see some crossover there, some evidence there. Uh, from Japheth, it's more on the Asian side of things. So Japan, China, the Indo-German tribes, a little bit in the Europe uh, area, we see the establishment of those cultures as well. And one of the interesting things that we kind of talked about a little bit that we see is that we see governments really being established. Um, you know, in we don't really have any evidence of that before the flood up through the Tower of Babel. But you know, when uh, Abram has some interactions in Egypt where they talk about Pharaoh, well, this is the first time we've really seen Pharaoh. So we can see that some governments and rulers were established. The kings uh, that fought over Sodom and Gomorrah, the land that Lot was in. We, we see some of these kingdoms being established. And so even though it's still very early in, in human history, uh, after the Tower of Babel, after everything's split up, those government structures are already starting to be established. Yeah, it doesn't take long for people to really start, you know, they're not going to sit around doing nothing for 300 years. They're going to start forming these governments. They're going to start 
taking control of whatever their land they're in and going forth and populating their their countries, their areas, their territories. So there's going to be some processes put in place. And, and, well, let's face it, we all have power trips from time to time. So, you know, we somebody wants to be in control. So they're going to they're going to take the throne, if you will, and decide what happens. So it's interesting to see how quickly everything started really progressing with building these um, these countries, these um, these providences um, to uh, to start building even smaller, um, you know, cities, towns, um, as as we know them today, and everything just happens over time. Yeah, because it's you know not to jump too far ahead, but we're only a couple of generations away from the story of uh, Jacob, who's also named Israel and Joseph. By the time Joseph comes around, I mean. He spends a lot of his time in Egypt and they've got cities established. They've got transportation and, you know, kind of logistics and all that kind of stuff going on. I mean, it, it, they've moved pretty quick um, once it got to this point, you know, and some, and some of the, some of those old, you know, those ancient cultures that, that we dive into the deepest, this is, this is where they all get started. Very true. Well, this has been pretty cool to see. And I've learned some stuff in this, um, you know, we, we, I kind of teased about it earlier. You know, we like to think that Abram's story is, you know, he's just perfect and righteous with God and, and he's got, and he is righteous with God, but, but he's, you know, got everything going for him. Right. Um, but sometimes things change and we get some bumps and bruises, uh, down the road. And next week we're going to dive deeper into those to kind of show that nobody except Jesus, except God is perfect. And that's okay. That's, that's sin. So that's why you also need to know Jesus, because we're we're all sinners. We all have that. Um, uh, we all have that. We all have those desires that are not pleasing to God in some way or another. Whether it be um, lust or pride or alcoholism or, or addiction or, or you know uh, different forms of, of addictions, and uh, even something as small as anger, jealousy, you know those kind of things. That is all sin that we don't necessarily think of, but knowing Jesus saves us from those sins and allows us to be righteous in God and have that relationship with him. Absolutely. And, you know, if you, if you have any questions about what that relationship looks like, how to start that, I encourage you to shoot us a note, info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love nothing more than to have that conversation with you, get you hooked up with some resources um, and people who know a whole lot more than we do about all this stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, I encourage you if, if you if you want more information on that to reach out. Don't don't let a day go by and uh, and and start that relationship today. Uh, get plugged into the local church, and uh, there's there's nothing better. I guarantee it. That's right. Well, we've had a lot of fun this week doing this one, and uh, we can't. I can't wait to see um, what happens next week with Abram and and um, see how God works in his life, even through mm-hmm. even through uh, the bumps and bruises he gets along the way. God's still working. And I, I can say that myself in my life. I know you can too, Matt. So uh, God's always working. He's always there. So that's going to do it for us today. Uh, y'all be sure to check out our website, simplifyjesus.com. And you can find all of our social media links there. Uh, go go follow us, like us, uh, uh, tweet about us, share our posts, uh, let the world know we're here. And uh, just help us to get the, get the gospel out to those who need it, which is all of us. Um, but uh, help us to just spread the word of Jesus. 
That's right, absolutely. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys again next week. Take care, everybody.